0: So yeah, hello from New York, where I'm going to offer to you today, unsolicited, the deepest, most comprehensive, intricate, analytical, thoughtful, imaginative perspective on what it'll take for the Penguins to beat the Rangers. Seriously, stay with me. In fact, we might make this one three hours long to get through all of All of this minutia. Good morning to you. Good Tuesday morning from Manhattan. I'm Dan Kovačević of DK Pittsburgh Sports. This is Daily Shot of Penguins. It comes your way bright and early every weekday. If you're into football and or baseball, I also offer daily shots of Steelers and Pirates. Where you found this tonight is Game One: Penguins versus Rangers, 7 p.m. Madison Square Garden. And ready? Okay. This is it. Casey DeSmith needs to play the best hockey of his life. Thanks for listening, everybody. We'll do it again tomorrow. No, really, that's it. That's that, That's just it. I mean, they're going to have to pop a few goals. They're going to have to do well on the power play. The penalty killing is going to have to be solid. They're going to have to forecheck to make sure that the Rangers don't get all those odd man rushes, they're going to have to make sure that their defensemen and their coverage of their defensemen when they pinch is responsible so that the Rangers don't get all those odd man breaks, and they need to find a way to generate traffic and tips and deflections, just general mayhem in front of Igor Shosturkin. But none of that, none of that matters without DeSmith playing literally at his life's peak and to his credit he seems to get that while at the same time not over psyching himself listen to him yesterday after practice in cranberry yeah just another game um i think as soon as you start to try and make it bigger than it is that's when problems start to happen mentally so um, just go in there and do what i always try and do and give the team a chance to win, play my best hockey, and that's all I really can do. Doesn't exactly seem too wigged out, does he? Or wigged out at all. And and that's important because the last thing you want is a recreation of whatever happened to Tristan Jari against the Islanders last year. That's a situation where you just know that no matter what it is that your team was doing, you're not going to be successful Because there is no overcoming, even mediocre goaltending against a quality opponent in a Stanley Cup playoff round. Never mind when you're starting on the road with those first two games. But I'm here to tell you that DeSmith is capable of playing the best hockey of his life. He can do that. And I'll explain how. Uh, some of you will remember Andy is one of those goaltenders in the early part of this century. Not the biggest guy, worked really, really hard for every save, just battled, battled, battled some more. So when I think of DeSmith and his size, which might be six feet, but might also be 5'11", and that that's not all that big for an NHL goaltender, certainly not in the year 2022, I think in part of guys like Andy when he played, or maybe Johan Hedberg. Now, Moose was legit six feet, but he wasn't a millimeter more than that. And he too had to do a little bit extra work, a little harder to make saves that someone like oh, Andre Vasilevsky can do just by existing. You know what I mean? Where It just looks like he doesn't have to do anything. Well, DeSmith does. And in this talk that I had with Kyoto, the focus was almost entirely on his confidence when it comes to being aggressive. Now, I've brought this up Multiple times over the course of the season with DeSmith himself. And if you go way back to his struggles that he had in the first couple of months, he would openly talk about how he had some kind of issue with his skates, where he just felt more passive, something about the way they felt on his feet. And, you know, we can laugh at that kind of stuff on the outside, but I can guarantee you that there isn't a goaltender anywhere who wouldn't be nodding his head and saying, oh, yeah, yeah, the skates. I could definitely see that. So I'm not going to get into a goaltender's head. I'm going to take him at his word for it. It still took DeSmith a while to get back to his best self, his most aggressive self. When he stays back in the blue paint, he presents an awful lot of net because of his size. When he's out, when he's going after shooters, when he's daring them to go around him if they can, when he's reading the play correctly, that a shooter has run out of options and he can go out and take care of him, that's when he's at his best. Yes, he has the athleticism. Yes, he has uh, the quickness that you want in making reaction type saves, especially against a team that has a power play like New York's where they'll do a lot of lateral movement and work toward one-timers. But for the most part, the best version of this goaltender that you will see will be the one that's not all that exciting. DeSmith stays economical in his motion whenever he's at his best. DeSmith doesn't give up the rebounds. DeSmith moves the puck from behind the net not as well as Tristan Jari, but well enough that the Rangers won't be able to count on, let's say, dumping it into a certain area and presuming that they'll be there before the goaltender is. But more than anything, he's just feeling it. And you can see that in him, in one direction or the other, in like the first five or six minutes of the game, depending on how busy the opponent is allowed to be by the Penguins. We have seen DeSmith be very good for long stretches. We have never seen DeSmith in a playoff game, and we have never seen him perform at the level that I believe will be necessary against this New York team to beat them. However, that doesn't mean that either of those things is precluded. Both are at least possible. There, how did I do? When we come back, just one question. Today's J1Q comes from Matthew Hetzel, who asks, If this series ends with the all-too-likely dagger through the heart by the Rangers' hand, is it finally time for a serious long look in the mirror and to start the rebuild? The percentage of questions-slash-feedback coming in this direction that is bracing for the worst, ugliest first-round loss is really high. I'm probably not breaking any ground here in sharing that with you. The sentiment is overwhelmingly pessimistic. I pretty much share it, but I still honestly find it to be kind of a wow thing. You know, there's just like no hope among this fan base right now. And again, that's not a criticism. I'm, I'm not exactly picking them either. But setting that aside, I'm going to answer the rebuild question as often as it comes in the same way, and I'm going to do that now, just as I did a month ago, just as I did four months ago, just as I'm going to do a week and a half from now when the Penguins are ignominiously swept by the Rangers, so humbled, so emasculated that they don't even bother staying on the rink for the handshake line. That's how ugly it's going to be, right? Right? No, there's no rebuild. Sidney Patrick Crosby has three additional years on his contract. He's not going to be party to a rebuild. But again, everyone can define a rebuild different ways. I get the sense, and you didn't clarify yourself here, Matthew, that most Penguins fans see a rebuild as either Gino or Latang is gone and that. This signifies rebuild. And it's just not accurate. It's not. If Gino goes, he's not going to. So let's do the other one. If Latang goes, what that'll mean is that there's absolutely money in the salary cap to keep both Brian Rust and Ricard Raquel. And in all likelihood that the Penguins could make any number of other significant additions. Latang is a big, big chunk of this team's salary cap space. That's not a rebuild. A rebuild, a real rebuild, is the Detroit scale, where you say, listen, we don't have a player on this roster that we're going to keep other than Dylan Larkin. And even then, when they started their rebuild, it seems like now forever ago, Larkin was one of the new guys. It's when you go all the way with youth. It's something that I could very realistically see happening, for example, next season in Philadelphia. They already moved Claude Giroux. They'd already parted ways long since with Jakub Voracek, Wayne Simmons, and a bunch of other guys who'd been there forever. So what do you do? You build up through the draft. You acquire draft picks. You have big drafts. Seven rounds, but you might pile up 10 or 11 picks, and you'll get a bunch of them in the first couple of rounds. And that takes time, and that's a rebuild. And this is not and will not be anything of the sort. Bringing in free agents who are in the age range of 26 or 27 and still have their prime of career legs under them, that's not a rebuild. That's just adding juice to what you've already got, and you're hoping to compensate for whatever it is that you lose, in this case, Latang. But I'd be very much in favor of something that continues to bring more energy, more vitality to this lineup. Raquel, to his credit, has done that. He's been that guy. He's shown the Penguins a lot, particularly on offense. These are players you can win with. They're not superstars, but you still would have Sidney Crosby and Evgeny Malkin and Jake Gensel, and if you bring him back, Brian Rust as well, who's pretty much a star in this league at this point, you find yourself another two or three guys up front who can put the puck in the net. You challenge Mike Matheson with becoming, well, basically the player that he's become to some extent already this season. And you go from there, but you're not rebuilding. You're not blowing anything up unless, yet again, you're referring to the core. I appreciate the question. I appreciate everyone listening to Daily Shot of Penguins. And we'll have another one tomorrow that'll describe, in painful detail, the Penguins' nine-goal loss they're about to take tonight. Am I still doing this right?